Welcome to Offshore Explorer. I'm your host, Scott Dodgson. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about cooking on the boat. Um, next to sailing, sex, cooking and drinking is probably the most important activity on a boat. It's the one that requires a lot of work in order to get that uh, satisfying tidbit. I've had a lot of experience in doing this. Um, all the years of chartering, of course, we're providing three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we're providing snacks. The dinners are usually three to five courses. Um, now, I know you're, you know, you're thinking like, okay, I got a, you know, 27-foot Ericsson, and there's no way five courses are coming out of that galley. But I, I've been on these boats, I've lived on boats like this, and, and so I have some some little tips. Um, and a lot of it, my tips, in, in a sense, are about the wholeness of the experience and the whole thing um, down to the how to put water in your boat, uh, what to do with, you know, power and propane and all the rest of these things. So it's like a... All these elements that are about the boat are really important to have um, and to be in control of. Otherwise, your experience of uh, a sailing is going to be kind of crappy in terms of the food. Now, there's a couple of different um, categories, I would say. And one of the categories is um, your weekend cruiser. Um, I've got a lot of listeners that are weekend cruisers. Um, you know, you're going to go out maybe like here in LA, we go out to uh, Catalina Island, which is really a beautiful place to sail to. And you stay overnight on a mooring and then you come back, you know, Sunday night, you know, go out Friday, come back Sunday night. It's kind of the, kind of the routine, so to speak, or maybe the Channel Islands or, I have a lot of friends that listen that are down in San Diego and, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of little islands along the coast that you can go to and you can sail up and down. Um, my San Francisco folks, uh, same goes for you guys. A lot of little places to go. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how, you know, well you want to be comfortable. Um, the second category is what I would call my kind of liverboard group. Um, liverboards have a completely different lifestyle to just popping on the boat for a weekend. So there's some more equipment involved. There's some more strategy involved and some things that are, that are important. Doesn't mean that day cruiser can't use these strategies. They just have to be aware that there's a second level. Then there's the, you know, full-time cruisers. I'm not talking about people that, you know, stay in the slip and just go sailing um, every once in a while. But I'm talking about the people that are literally cruising around the world, um, you know, that are making the runs from, say, Seattle down to Puerto Vallarta or from New York City down to the Florida Keys or the Bahamas or Bermuda or whatever to the Caribbean and then turning around and coming back. These are all, these are cruisers. Um, then there's this third category, um, which are people doing really long cruises. And 
these would be like some delivery guys, of course, but you know, people crossing oceans is something I've done um, 18 times round trip across the Atlantic and four times across the Pacific. Um, not to mention running in the Southern Ocean for a while. Um, so there's some strategies that I've picked up in ways to feel comfortable and ways to sort of keep your uh, head about you and your stomach about you and really enjoy the experience. Because quite frankly, there's nothing like a fine meal in the cockpit of your boat, at the cockpit table, with the sun going down, and it's just, it's more delicious. I mean, it could be just a hot dog, and it'll be more delicious than any hot dog you've ever, 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 ever tasted. So this is kind of where we are with that. So let's start with the first thing is, there's some tips, and they're very basic. Everybody should know these. Is First of all, planning, okay? Um, make meals in advance. Uh, space management. Um, having the right kit. You know, having the right tools to cook is really important. And um, your expectations may be realistic or maybe they're not going to be realistic. It's up to you. Um, it is your boat and it's whatever you really want to do with it. Now, in my experience, um, the first thing that we get hit with in, a head, in the head with is the kit. Um, I always think about the uh, propane, and pain is usually the operative word in this, because propane is a pain in the ass. Um, lugging those tanks around, getting them filled up, you know, if you got your boat on the dock, you got to carry them up, um, get them in the car, take them to a place to fill them up. Now, this this is great if you're sailing in America or sailing in a place where the connections are American. But when you're sailing around the world, there's all sorts of different connections to fill up your tanks. And they're all over the world and they're different and there's no uniform thing. So sometimes you'll end up having to buy a tank with the right connections in order to get a, a tank full of propane. Now on my boat Delphus, I had uh, four, five tanks of propane, the big ones. And um, I had a place to put them. And um, I had a, a big uh, box on the aft deck, which uh, served to put the tanks in there. And then I had uh, the uh, hose would go to the grill. And I'll get to the grill in a second. But uh, I had those in the back. And then I had uh, three lined up underneath the table, uh, the center cockpit. And the hose would run down from those down into the galley. So it was protected so the water wouldn't get down there. And they would go in the galley and run the, the, the galley stove. Now, the thing about propane, and don't get me wrong, it's great to have gas on the boat and to be able to, and I have, I have probably elongated my arms an inch or two from carrying propane tanks for miles. Um... But propane is very wet, um, especially if you're in uh, sort of the northern climes. Um, you'll find that the propane creates a lot of moisture. Even if you, for example, want to you know, turn the propane oven on, if the boat is really cold just to take the chill out of it, you'll create like more water 
It's, it's very moist. And um, this can be a problem, um, especially if you're trying to cook things like, for example, bread. Um, the moisture in a propane oven is, is, is kind of hard on, on getting bread to come out correctly. Although I might add that I had a, I had a chef that she was just brilliant at making bread in the oven. And, um, there's other ways to do it, but she was, she, she seemed to get the, uh, the, the, the knack of it. Um, she got the oven really, really hot. Now, the thing is, is you also have to understand is most ovens and most boats are probably either at the waterline or below the waterline. So the humidity level is going to be really high at that point. And humidity is something you have to take into consideration when you're making food. Um, it's a, it's a big deal. So I used to, um, and I think about, when I think about propane, I think about uh, two places that used to drive me crazy. One um, was in St. Thomas. Um, I'm sure it's a little bit, it's changed now and it's probably easier to get propane. But I used to have to jump in my dinghy because I was over by the old Marriott Hotel over there anchored um, in, outside. Um, or if I was on the dock, that was fine too. Uh, was it Marriott? No, it was a Ramada. It was an old Ramada that got blown up during Andrew. Um, and I would jump in the dinghy and I would go around, you know, through the cut over around and go into this lagoon where all these uh, uh, barges were and ships half sunk. And and it was just, it was kind of a spooky but cool place with mangroves and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And, and I would tie up, there was this sort of collapsed... Um, dock, uh, concrete dock, and I would tie my dinghy up to a piece of rebar that was sticking out of the dock. And then I would grab two of the tanks, and then I would kind of climb up. It wasn't re it was a place, and it was a path. And then I would just sort of climb up through the mangrove and the trees, and, and then I would pop out um, through this fence and, and, and then I would be on this gravel road, and at the end of the gravel road was the propane filling station, which I'm sure is still there as the propane filling station. And this was how I ended up getting my tanks filled. So I'd have to find a guy um, who was, you know, like just hanging out. They get propane trucks because in uh, St. Thomas they use a lot of propane. And I'd get my tanks filled up and pay him, get a receipt, and then carrot lug those things back. Um, we all know how heavy they can be. And uh, put them in the dinghy, untie the boat, drive all around, then hoist them up onto the deck of the boat, and then put them in and use my wrench, um, my adjustable wrench, uh, to uh, tighten up. And then I had gas. And if I was at a point where I had to fill up all of them, which I had to do one time, I was lugging them back and forth. That was like the hottest day. It was terrible. I made the trek. Um, I, mean, I had to make three trips to get it across the gravel road and get them in the dinghy. It was really a pain in the butt. So propane doesn't have like this really, you know, I'm not, I know it's, we have to have it. But it's just not one of those things that, that, you know, gets me excited. So there's nothing like, of course, you're in the middle, and I've had this happen, I'm in the middle of cooking, having a chef 
uh, on the boat in the middle of a charter. Everybody's around the cockpit table where the gas is kept. And and then suddenly we run out of gas and I have to move everybody out, pull up the the uh, the, the the lid um, to the table to the tabletop, um, go in and change change the propane. So there's a lot of management that goes in there. Now, if you're a weekend sailor, it's going to take you a while to get through one, you know, tank. And most people, weekend sailor-wise, will have um, usually those really small tanks. And they don't last a long time, so they're kind of constantly running out. So for the weekend guy, I would say, hey, really evaluate having it. It's better to have the big tank if you have a place to put it. Uh, most people will keep it will will find a place uh, underneath their uh, cockpit seats and then run uh, a hose uh, back down into the galley so you could use it down there and also you can also use it on the grill and I'm gonna get to the grill because the grills really important but that's one way to do it now liverboards generally have it pretty sussed out in terms of, of propane but one of the things about as a liveaboard, which I have been a liveaboard for, you know, 20 years or whatever, um, is that I try to reduce the amount of propane that I use. Um, and I do this because for the most part as a liveaboard, you get two kinds of liveaboards, a liveaboard and then liveaboard cruiser. So if the liveaboard, which is you're just on the dock for the most part, you sail every once in a while, but 99.9% of the time, you're just sitting at a dock. So I've set it up this way. Um, I try to uh, use as little propane as possible. Um, and I would cook, and this is this is my super secret, um, and gold star tip on this. I would buy an electric frying pan with the lid. I have learned over the years, I can cook bread in that. I can cook steaks in that. I can cook stew in that and soup. And and everything can be cooked in there. Baked potatoes. Anything that I wanted to cook, I could cook in that electric frying pan. And the, and the beauty of it is I'm using the electricity from the dock. Okay? Now, sometimes a lot of marinas now are charging for electricity at the dock. It's way cheaper than propane, trust me, friends. But a lot of docks aren't. The last few docks I've been on, you know, it's it's in the cost of the uh, slip fee. So it doesn't matter. So I would use um, the, the electric um, uh, fry pan to cook almost everything. And it, that was it was like brilliant because it was fast, it was clean, um, it was dry, um, and it worked it really worked out really well. Now, a lot of cruisers um, will be use a combination of stuff for when they're at the dock and then a combination of stuff when they're sailing. Propane, when you're sailing, you cook with propane. You don't, electricity is at a premium unless you have a big enough boat where you have a generator. Then that's a different story. But there is a generator that I want to call your attention to that I think over the years I have... I have, I have to say that it's provided me with more uh, pleasure than, than one could imagine. 
And that is, I bought a little Honda generator. Um, I had a 2000 watt Honda generator puts out about 30 amps, somewhere in there, 15, 20 amps, something like that. It's very strong. It's pretty quiet. And I used to, I bought it primarily because um, when I'm at the dock, they wouldn't let me um, sand and varnish on the dock because of the dust. Um, you know, they kind of, they got on my case about it. So, because then I would have workers on my boat and this, that, and other thing. And some marinas and, and guys, they just, the dock masters just don't like you working on your, their boat. Um, so what I did was I would go and anchor out and I'd have this generator and I could plug all my tools in there. Um, I can, you know, I have my saws and my sanders and, you know, everything could be plugged in. And then I realized that with this generator that I, I, I had a problem. I, I had a problem with um, uh, an old line, a propane line. And I had to stop using the propane until I got a, a propane line. It was just leaking ever so slightly. And it was leaking at a fitting that was behind the stove. And I didn't realize it. And it, it had worn it. Whoever installed it did kind of a weird thing. And we... All of us who are on boats and stuff know that we run across previously installed kit and we really wonder, you know, what that guy was smoking or drinking or what the hell was going on in his mind to do such a lousy job. But in any case, that's what we did. Um, I had this generator and I managed to um, keep it up on deck. And later I would put it, um, I had room um, down below um, in the engine room and I would run an extension cord up, uh, from the engine room back in, into the galley. And in the galley, I was running my electric fry pan and, and I had the, I actually had the TV running. Um, you know, I could do everything I wanted to do with this little somewhat quiet. They say they're quiet, but you know, they make noise, but not quite like an installed generator, but still, Underneath the floorboards, it could run. I kept the exhaust fans on, so it was always, you know, getting uh, fresh air, and the exhaust air was pulling fresh air, or the um, uh, carbon monoxide out, and it really worked well. Um, it's a good investment uh, for the person who's going to be living on their boat or cruising. That's the that's the main thing. It's a it's a big deal um, if you really want to get kind of nuts. Um, and you want a generator and maybe you have a spot in your boat for a generator or you have an old generator that failed, um, maybe an old Northern Lights or, or something in that neighborhood which is more permanent and runs is cooled by uh, water. The Honda generator, the 7,000-watt Honda generator, which is a heavy-duty, they have a bigger one also, and it's about the size of a normal small generator you would find on the boat. Um, these guys work pretty well. The problem, of course, is they use gas. And you'd have to be filling them up with gas. Um, Honda does make a diesel generator, by the way. Um, you don't see it so much in the States, but they do make one. It is extremely quiet. And you can, you can literally run your entire house. Um, they're really tremendous kits. They're very, very, um, 
very good. But if you don't have room for a generator and you don't have a generator, you're going to be using the propane. Make sure you have enough propane when you go out to cook. And, um, you know, when you're going out to sail, it's, it's really it's important. Um, because the one thing you want to always have when you're sailing is that really fine, you want to have a nice meal. And I know a lot of people, you know, they look at their boat as sort of being a camping experience. Um, I even had somebody come up and tell me at one time that, you know, oh, yeah, I see you camp out on your boat. And I looked at them and I was kind of puzzled. Because at the time I was running um, a Perini Navi that was 140 feet long. And um, it was more luxurious than anyone's house. Um, and it was at the time worth about $15 million. And it was like, no, this isn't camping. Okay. This is like real living, you know, better than your house. It's like saying your house is a cave. You're a cave dweller, right? No, it's not camping. But I think if you approach this whole um, boat thing, boat life, boat cooking as a camping experience, I think you're really going to miss some of the, the, the real vibe that you can have on a boat and the pleasure that you can get from eating. I, I love to eat. I love to eat. I love fine wines. So that's um, my little ditty on generators and electricity and stuff. But I will have to say for the people that live on a dock, one of the problems that I have had in the past is that um, the dock uh, usually only provides somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 amps. If you're at the end of the dock, um, you're going to be getting less amps if anybody else has got stuff running. And if you look at your electricity consumption and the things that are consuming electricity, like your battery charger, which is going to click on and off, right? Your trickle feed is going to click on and off and take some amps away. Um, if you have a hot water heater that's electric, um, that's going to have a big effect. Um, you know, if somebody is using the hot water and the hot water heater kicks up, I've had a hot water heater just kick the, um, the circuits all the time and just flip the switches on me. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, your, your oven or your electric fry pan or your TV set or... Computers don't use that much electricity, but still, it all adds up because you have a very finite thing. And one of the key things is, is that when you're using this electricity, and if you're in the northern climes, and even here in Los Angeles, which is generally warm all the time, you know, we use space heaters in the boat um, in the colder months um, at night, especially for night and, and this, that, and other thing. Uh, my friend Tommy Twang, which we all uh, know and love uh, from our previous podcasts and from the music that he, he helps us with. Um, you know, he uses a propane um, uh, space heater on his boat. And he's got a very small, you don't need much, but he uses, that's what he uses. Electric space heaters, like the little ones you can get at Home Depot or whatever, are great as well. Um, but they use electricity and they all it all adds up. Um, so what will happen is you'll either throw the circuit on the box because there's not enough electricity coming into it. Just think of it this way. If you, electricity is like a river, you know, when it comes to the dock itself, the river is full, 
when it gets to the end of the dock, the river is has been there's a number of branches that have gone off and taken away the electricity. So you're ending up with a smaller amount. So this is where you have to consider what you have. And oftentimes what will happen is these plugs um, in the socket themselves, um, usually the, the ground will burn out um, if you're using too much constant electricity. The thing you have to realize is most marine equipment, the strength of marine equipment is against water. It's not the strength of the actual equipment itself. Um, a lot of it's pretty shitty stuff if you compare it um, to industrial kinds of stuff. And, and it's just, that's what they make because it's cost effective. And it pushes the upper limit of what they expect uh, boaters to pay for that kind of equipment. So you have to be careful. And you, you should keep a spare in your, in your box. Um, because that's what's going to happen. And if you can get your dock master to come and check on the switches to make sure that they're relatively new because they do get old and they do get very, very sensitive. But that's sort of one of the main things that you have to worry about as far as power off the dock. So, I mean, we all worry about that, whether you're a cruiser or a liveaboard or just a weekend sailor so it doesn't uh, it's uh, it's a concern for all of us another thing that i wanted to say that because water is really really important in cooking dock water sucks um you can get uh, sanitary hoses um but if you leave them out for too long out in the sun or in the box with the different changes of the seasons and stuff like that um they're going to get crappy on you um, and the taste is going to be really horrible, and that's going to affect the food that you're cooking. And the thing is, is that one of the problems is, and this is one for day sailors or weekend sailors, is that um, you don't use that much water. I mean, you use water to cook when you're out, you're having fun, maybe you use bottled water, which is a suggestion. Um, which is a good suggestion. The problem being with bottled water is it starts to take up so much room. Now, I drink water, bottled water all the time, and it's the most important stuff, um, and try to stay away from the, the spigot. But, um, you know, when you're cooking, you, you could use quite a bit of water. Um, of course, a lot of uh, the sinks today have also the salt water to help wash the dishes. And so there's a, you know, there's a little ways to get around it. But my advice on the water is this. Um, have a filter system. Um, you can buy these uh, pretty handy uh, filter systems. There are two-stage filter systems, the ones with the rocks, and, and, and the water goes through that. And they will take out most of the, the stuff in your water. And depending on where you are, um, you know, some of the hard uh, sodiums and things like that will, be, will come out. And, um, you know, you just hook that up and you can put it by your dock box and use the water to come in. Some liveaboards will have a direct connection of the, with water pressure from the dock into their boat. Um, this is very popular. I've had this before. Um, never leave the boat without turning the water off. That's the key. Um, I have gotten a few boats off the bottom of the, the uh, marina 
um, because uh, a workman or somebody left the freshwater pressure on, something broke, um, a hose broke or a um, pipe broke, and the next thing you know, the boat was filling up with fresh water and um, it sank. And um, so that's a that's a key thing to do that. I know there's some people who say, oh, no, no, never use that, never do that. Um, I find it kind of convenient and um, it's great, especially, you know, if you're living on the boat so that you're not always filling up your tanks because a lot of smaller boats don't have very large uh, water tanks. And um, it makes it makes sense. You can do a lot of stuff um, with extra water. Now, one of the things that I've always done with the tank, with the water tank, is to put a tablespoon of bleach um, in the water. And um, I do this every two or three fill-ups. Don't use more than a tablespoon. We're talking parts per million here. Okay, otherwise your water is going to taste like bleach and it's, you won't be able to cook with it. You won't be able to do squat with it. Okay, it'll just, it'll stink. It'll get rid of all the algae that's in the, in the pipes. But remember, it's parts per million. Use one tablespoon, okay? And that's for like a couple hundred gallon tank or hundred gallon tank. You know, uh, the bigger the tank, it, it has doesn't have to be much. Just just a tiny bit is really what we're talking about here, and that will that will clean up your water. That'll clean up any algae that you may have in your um, in your tanks, in your hoses, uh, in your connections, and um, that will kind of you know help with the quality of the water, especially if you're going to be using the water to cook with. Now on some of the bigger on the bigger boats that I've run and on my boat, I had a water filtration system, and that water filtration system um, was connected to the um, salt water uh, freshwater maker. So I was using water that I was making from the sea um, to both cook and clean with, and it was just super clean and super soft. Um, it gave a nice feel. I mean, basically, what are you using water for? You know, two couple of teaspoons here, tablespoon there to, you know, to put in some sauce or or maybe you know water to put in the, the pasta. Um, you know, it's stuff like that. That so you're not using a lot of it. But uh, I found that when I had the um, the first time I had uh, the experience of working with um, a uh, water maker is that uh, all the spots that were on the boat were gone when I washed the boat with my own water. Um, the, the hoses, the connections, everything cleaned up like brilliantly. And um, it was really worthwhile. Now, if you're just, you know, a day cruiser, you're not going to have a water maker. If you're just maybe a liverboard, you probably won't have a water maker as well. But if you're going to be doing some serious cruising, there's some smaller water makers that are quite handy. Um, and there's some emergency water makers in case, uh, you get adrift in your life raft and, um, you need to make water. There's, those are handy little kits to have and, um, kind of fun stuff to, to keep on board. But the important thing is, is, you know, keeping your tanks clean, tablespoon of bleach, and that'll keep the algae at bay. So we're going to talk about 
maybe the next level of either cruiser or liverboard um, weekend charter people maybe if their boat's big enough will want to have a microwave uh, you want to have a, you know a combo uh, microwave convection on, oven um, I had this great thing that was given was given to the boat um, by it was made by Phillips and it was basically um, home uh, rotisserie chicken uh, thing, microwave, but it was also had a grill in it so that it would microwave and then the grill would come on. So you used to get this really, um, it, the flavor was wonderful. The microwave, you know, microwave stuff is like terrible sometimes, but um, you know, it, it would, every, the chicken came out crispy and all the rest. Of, and I fell in love with this thing, um, used a lot of electricity. But I fell in love with it when I was was cooking because um, I could cut the time um, of cooking something big, like a chicken or a fish, in half, at least, maybe a quarter. And it could be done and really brilliant. And um, it became very useful. But I find just having a microwave on board is very useful. Um, now, this is, of course, contingent on the idea that you have the electricity power um, which is really, really important. So now I get to the last, you know, really important parts. So, you know, have all the right stuff, the knives, the spoons, the forks, all the rest. Don't go plastic forks and all the rest of this. You can, you can have some nice stuff. It makes eating better if you're not eating on a plastic fork for some reason. I, I don't know. That's maybe your call. Um, but I've, all, I've always had uh, beautiful plates and um, silverware and glassware. And, you know, I had the plastic cups and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Sure, for when we were underway. But for the most part, I had all the stuff. Coffee cups, really important. Big coffee cups are important. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, the grill. Okay, yes, the grill. The most important cooking piece on a boat, whether you're a date cruiser, weekend cruiser, or, you know, you're sailing around the world. I ended up being very fortunate that I ended up with a guy who made me a grill. I wanted to buy a grill, but I thought, well, they're all so flimsy. And, you know, you put them on your uh, stanchion in the, the aft of the boat so you can get to them and you can cook and talk to the people that are, you know, at the cockpit table and Da, 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 and that was great. And I had bought um, a cheap one, and um, I had a boat run into the back of my boat by accident. And just it just bent the hell out of it and crushed it, and it was no good after that. So I had these guys in, um, uh, where were where they? They were in um, um, Antigua, and they made me a, uh, a grill, real heavy-duty stainless steel, like, you know, 316 stainless steel, um, good solid grill. The whole thing worked really well. I could literally cook outside in a gale, and that thing would stay lit and cook like a son of a gun. And, you know, it was great for cooking lobster and steaks and anything else that you wanted to put in there. And that baby could really cook. And I had the propane in a box right underneath it. So it worked out really, really well. So it's really important to have a good grill. Um, 
a lot of grills come with the little canisters of propane that go in them. They're fine. They're super good. Um, certainly not appropriate for a charter. A charter you need, you know, you're going to be using a grill all the time. And um, so you can't be messing around with those little, um, those little canisters. So let's take you have all your appliances and you, you've decided, and let me make it real clear, you've decided that you have you're a, a weekend cruiser, right? So you don't need an electric pan. You don't need this. You know, you don't need a microwave. Maybe there's one built in your boat. Benito's will build them in if you're in that class. So anyway, you have that kind of stuff. Um, you're going to be using propane. You're going to be cooking. You're going to a little oven. There's some tricks and techniques to keeping it going and, and, and putting what cooks. Some propane ovens don't cook worth a shit. Um, so I always recommend if you're just going to go propane, figure out menus that you can do on top of the stove. That's like the easiest thing. And you get the best results from that. Um, you can put them in an oven. I remember once I had a very good, um, force 10, um, four burner oven, a propane stove and oven. And, um, I had a, a chef she made for lunch. She made a souffle. And I called it the uh, port souffle um, because uh, we were on a tack um, to the port side. And the souffle just sort of leaned over to the port. It was very funny looking, but it was, it you know, it cooked while we were underway. Um, and I used to cook a lot in the oven while we were underway. I used to take, um, when I was doing a few day charters with the boat in, in Nevis and St. Kitts, I would buy a box of chicken wings. I would throw them in a pan, like an aluminum foil pan, slather on some barbecue sauce and throw some little extra stuff in there. Frozen, right? Put the, put aluminum foil over it, slide it in the oven, and then we'd go sail. We'd sail all the way, you know, um, to where we're going to go for the day charter, to the dive spot or the snorkeling spot. And by the time we got there, we turned around, I would open it up and there would be all the, the chicken would be cooked. And it made for a great, easy, sumptuous lunch. Um, because one of the things you have to realize is that, you know, having savory things on a boat, if you're a fan of the savory flavor, um, it fits really well with the salt air and, and all the exercise you may not normally get. Um, so it, you know, that stuff fills you up, makes you feel good, but it's still light enough to, to, um, you know, keep you going, um, served with a, with a salad and some bread and, you know, whatever. And, um, you're, you're golden for a, for a nice little, uh, charter. Um, I've done the same thing sailing from, uh, Marina del Rey over to Catalina, 40 mile sail. I get over there, the chicken's really well done. Um, and it's just, it's perfect. And we anchor sit there and say, okay, let's have some chicken wings and, you know, some beer or wine or whatever. And, and we're golden. We don't have to wait. Um, so you can cook, um, done it a lot, cook, um, while you're, while you're moving. So another thing that I've, um, I'm sort of going to, uh, help you with is, is that what you eat on the land oftentimes doesn't translate to what you should be eating on a boat. If you love spicy food and you you kill it, you know, at, at the taco stand with peppers and 
all the rest of this stuff and habaneros and all of that. Um, getting on a boat because, you know, you might feel a little queasy on a boat and having spicy stuff in your stomach is probably not going to help you out. So I always look, uh, especially when I was a chart, when I was chartering is to find foods that are savory, that are more like comfort foods and, and, you know, stay away from stuff that's really spicy. I would do spicy stuff sort of after they were on the boat for a while. And maybe that's something you can consider as you're doing it. One of the key things is, is to um, set up your menus so you know what to buy. Um, the buying uh, foray to the grocery store um, can be a, a pretty big deal. Um, you know, in chartering, we were buying for four five to eight people plus two, three crew, that's 11 people for at least five days. It's a ton of food. It's a ton of food. It's baskets of food. Um, you know, that's where you send your, your, your chef and your, and your mate, and he just drags baskets all around the place. And, um, you know, you got to have a menu. Um, if you're going to buy that much stuff. Now, if it's just going to be your family, do your breakfast, lunch, and dinner menus, okay? Um, breakfast can be real simple. You're probably going to be um, still um, and not sailing. And then your uh, your lunch will be a different, uh, will be a different thing. Um, if you're sailing, you're going to have maybe sandwiches, uh, soups, this gets back into the idea that um, uh, to make things that are um, easy to handle when you're sailing. And I referred to um, having a big cup. Um, one of the great things about having a, a, a big mug um, is you could put soup in it and makes it really easy. Soup is like one of the go-to items that I always loved when I was sailing, especially at night. You know, beef stew, chicken stew, um, lentil soup, uh, oyster stew, you know, anything that you, you, any kind of soup that you like, vegetable soup, in a big cup. It's easy to handle, doesn't spill. You can sit in a cockpit and drink it, even if you're bouncing around a little bit. And um, get some nutrition that'll keep you keep you going. And the other thing too is uh, is when you're under sale, try to stay away from carbs. Um, I mean, it's carbs will make you sleep, especially at night. Um, but they will carbs will calm you down. Having a good pasta, for example, um, not too heavy on the red sauce. But having a good pasta will, um, even though that's carbs, if you have that during the day, um, it'll sustain you because the carbs will turn into sugar and the sugar will help you um, stay awake and will give you more energy um, because you are going to be using a lot more energy than you normally would um, when you're in um, when you're in your house or, or in port. So this is kind of an, an important um, an important aspect. Um, so be careful about what you do. I prefer to sort of uh, eat light. Um, I like a bread. I like a sandwich. Easy sandwich to make. Um, I hate uh, cold sandwiches. Um, so sometimes I would have 
my chef, she would make uh, all kinds of, she'd make like an egg sandwich for me, um, which I would have almost every morning around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And um, regardless of what I was doing, because I could, it was a, it was a meal in hand that I could inhale and with a cup of coffee, keep going. Coffee is another interesting um, thing. A lot of people get on a boat and, you know, they're used to having electric coffee makers. Um, French press works well on boats. Um, individually, you're just boiling water. And the Melita system with the filter on the top going into the pot or into an individual cup um, works really well as, as well. Another quick trick, um, if you have some counter space and you're underway and you're, and you're going along... Take a, a, a damp um, uh, dish towel and lay it out over the, over the, um, the, the surface of, of you know, your work surface. And you can put cups and dishes and stuff on that, and they won't slide too far. Um, it's a good, unless you're really cruising, but in normal sailing circumstance, and, and things won't jump around very much. You can put a cup of coffee on there and it won't spill. Um, it'll stay right where it is. So the next thing is, is what do we do for the recipes and what you're going to cook? Now, who's cooking is sort of the first question that I always have, right? Who's cooking? Um, a lot of guys uh, love to cook. Um, we'll go downstairs and do their famous recipes and all the rest of this kind of stuff. And that's super. Uh, a lot of times the women will do it. Um, what we always looked for in, in the charter business and, um, in my own business was, uh, we looked for real chefs, um, because we were making meals that were, you know, had to be five stars. People were paying, you know, in the med, people were paying $35 a piece for dinner. That was a part, that was how it worked. And so you got to give them $35 worth of value. And it has to be done in a really fine way. So you need a chef who's trained to be able to do this kind of stuff. Um, I would always recommend and to people to go to like the Cordon Bleu uh, school for chefs. Pick up all the stuff. But even if you have a Cordon Bleu chef that's only been working in a kitchen, they have to learn how to work on a boat because boats a lot less room um, very, uh, you can't just throw dishes in the sink and just keep going. You have to kind of keep cleaning up as you go along and you have to be very aware of being clean, uh, much more so than in say a restaurant. So how your chef is prepared to handle being down below while you're sailing or just being down below while you're at anchor with a little roll, um, can she or he handle it? Um, you know, will there be like a bunch of people cooking? Um, all these things are really important to take into consideration as far as um, who's going to be doing the cooking. And that's why all your menu planning, whether you're going out for the day or whether you're going to be, you know, running um, across the Atlantic one way or the other, all of it has to be planned out. Everything has to be counted. Everything has to be stored. And this is really important. So another thing about um, eating on a boat is some people, while you're cruising, and this is going 
to be more for the cruisers, is there's all sorts of uh, different countries that have different foods. So you're not going to have your A&P or your Ralph's or whatever the grocery store that we have here in the United States. When you go to Italy, that grocery store doesn't exist. And there's different foods that uh, are brilliant and you should try them and you should learn to cook with them. And you have to adapt things in your cooking style and things that you need to have. For example, in the Caribbean, conch is a big deal, right? And I don't know if you've had conch, but um, I love conch fritters. They're really cool, and there's a real easy way to make conch fritters. I had actually gone out and bought one of these old-fashioned grinders, meat grinders. I grind the conch up because it's really rubbery and tough. Grind it up. And this is a woman, this old black woman in um, uh, Virgin Gorda showed me this. And she grinds it all up, okay? And then she takes the conch um, and she takes bisquick, which is really easy to use on a boat. So you don't have to make the bread yourself. And she mixes in the conch into the bisquick and she adds a can of salsa, jar of salsa in there. They mix it all, she mixes it all up. Adds a little bit of water if she needs to make it thicker, or I mean less thick, until she can make like little, you know, little balls. And she makes little balls from that with the conch and the uh, salsa in it, puts it in the oven. You know, 20 minutes later, you have yourself some conch fritters. Um, that's cooking that way, or she fries them, and uh, which is another, if you're, a, I don't recommend frying on a boat. Um, can be done, but you need the right pan to do frying. Um, it's going to have a high lip on it. And anyway, so that's how you, you know, you find a, some food that's good. Like in the Caribbean, there's a lot. You have a lot, like a lot of peppers. Um, chicken is very much available. Some fish. Um, you're not going to find steaks unless they're imported, or you're not going to find lamb unless it's imported. Um, and that's pretty much, you know, the way the Caribbean is going to be. You're going to find plantains. Um, you're going to find a lot of rice. There's just things in the Caribbean that, that you learn to put in your meals. Mangoes, for example, bananas will be in there. Um, lots of different types of fruit. So there are, you know, area, there's certain things that you'll have more of and easy access to than you would say if you were in the States. In Italy, for example, there's, you know, you have you know, you're going to be using olive oil, tomato, cheeses, lots of beautiful cheeses. Basil is another big thing that you'll have. Uh, mushrooms, pasta. So when you're in Italy and you're buying this stuff, these are going to be the primary elements um, for you to make up your menu. And it's really important. And as you go through the list of different countries, you're going to start to find that there are things that we would use anywhere. They get used all over the world. Olive oil, for example, is a culinary staple. Um, in France, olive oil is everywhere. Spain, Italy, Greece, olive oil is everywhere. In French, uh, ingredients like Dijon mustard, um, uh, creme fraiche, uh, truffles, uh, shallots, French bread. Um, I always love a good baguette of French, French bed, bread because it just makes, you know, it makes great sandwiches, and it's just good to munch on because it's just delicious. Then, of course, if you're sailing around Spain and Portugal, again, olive oil. 
saffron, paprika, um, ham, a lot of ham. And that makes, you could use ham, especially a dried ham. Um, you could use that for a lot of stuff. Uh, sherry, vinegar, um, garlic, and olives. Let's just move out to Polynesia, the things that you'll find in Polynesia if you're sailing around French Polynesia. Um, beef will be available, clam dishes, uh, chicken dishes, um, salads with like uh, raw fish uh, and coconut milk. That sounds to some people like that would be, oh, I don't think I could eat that. But let me tell you, that stuff is really good. Try it. It's super good. And then, you know, there's all sorts of like saltwater fish dishes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, there's, you know, in Greece, um, Greece, you can get great lamb because it's local lamb. And I always have a thing about the lamb is an American lamb tastes one way, an Australian lamb tastes another way, and Greek lamb to me just is the bomb. Um, it's just so much more flavorful and it's much, much more interesting to to. Um, to prepare and, and to eat. Another couple of things that, that I have to do here is, is that I always recommend people who are going to do some cruising or go out, um, you're probably going to want to go to a restaurant at the port or near the port. So get some, you know, have at least a change of clothes that, um, you know, so you're dressed for your success. And it's a great way to, as you're cruising, to go and find different things. Just don't show up at a restaurant, you know, dressed like you're ready for, you know, pirate night, um, you know, in shorts and T-shirt and stuff like that. You know, it's good to have that change, change of clothes. It helps the dining experience to know that it's a, something that's special, that you've prepared for it. It's more interesting and it will help you savor what's going on. Um, much easier than, than you might, might think. Um, so really what we're talking about here is keeping things, uh, simple, um, you know, making good food, planning your menus out. And normally on like a, normally on a passage, um, we would always have one meal, plenty of snacks, um, Ginger snap cookies, definitely a must. Helps with the seasickness. Um, don't drink too much beer and alcohol. Um, soda, sugar will always settle your stomach if that's something that you need to have happen. But keep it simple. Um, plan your menus. Uh, don't abuse your chef by having her down or him downstairs all the time cooking while you're underway. We only do that in the charter business because that's their job. And they have to deliver five-star meals right uh, when you get anchored. And so the people will say, hey, I'm hungry. Let's eat. Boom. It's got to be right. It's got to be there. So one of the great things that I've always found, and this is a bucket list item for me, and maybe if I tell you about it, it'll be for you, is I always dreamed of pulling up my sailboat up to the dock, stern to, and walking across the little way, little street to a restaurant, ordering my meal, and then having the waiter bring the meal to the boat, and we would eat in the cockpit. I did that in Italy a couple of times. In fact, I got so used to it, it was just like the thing to do. It was so much fun. Um, 
extra tips were involved, of course. But uh, it became uh, really great for the restaurant because they were sort of advertising. People say, oh, yeah, you're, you're, it's like delivery, except it's like you're eating in the restaurant, only extended onto your boat. It was a lot of fun. So that was, you know, dining, having a restaurant cater you um, by walking 30 feet is kind of a fun, is a kind of a fun thing to do. So that's it for today. I want to thank everybody for... Um, uh, listening. Um, my new book is out, uh, The Mosaic Artist on Amazon Unlimited and um, Kindle Books. The paperback will be out sometime this week. Um, Paulette McWilliams, her music, uh, A Women's Story, is available on iTunes and anywhere you get your music. Um, beautiful Paulette started the show off with her, her vocals. And that's about all we have to do for this week. Um, thank you for listening. This is Scott Dawson with Offshore Explorer. Have a good time.